I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. How you chop carrots is how you live life. Welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. This is Matt Dixon, your host as ever. And I have to admit, I cannot remember where I read that quote. But in all honesty, I think it came to me via Kelly, my wife and partner in crime at Purple Patch. But no matter, it resonated. I'd love to hear from you if you know where I may have read that before. But the key component is that we are creatures of habit. And while we have different passions and strengths, we will always lean to things that we love and that we're good at. And the truth is that we can identify behavior patterns, values, attention to detail, follow through, and so much so just by monitoring the way that people do seemingly simple tasks. And as a coach or as a leader, you can actually spot talent or value from someone who, let's say, might chop carrots. And as a performer, your habits and approaches to seemingly mundane things seep into everything that brings you the final product. How you chop carrots, you live your life. Today, we're going to explore value, talent, and habits that lead to excellence. We're going to go into the bedrooms of our pro squad. We're going to lick the grease of the chain of our amateur athletes. We're going to create a framework of why simple tasks add up to a journey of excellence and also how to spot those who thrive at these seemingly mundane tasks. Because you can be sure that those people that thrive at the mundane tasks are going to be the ones that are your most valuable athlete or workers. It's a meaty one this week. I guess that's why they call it the meat and potatoes. But before we dive in, let's do it. I want to bring a little ukulele into my world. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, the Word of the Week this week, smoking jackets. I keep getting asked... What does smoking jackets mean when you talk about it so much in Purple Patch? So for you non-Purple Patch athletes, smoking jackets is one of our highly technical and very scientific prescription of a training intensity. And if you don't believe me, understand that smoking jackets is used with our pros, our amateurs, our wannabes, all the way through smoking jackets. So let's put it into action. I want you to picture the scene. You're part of a group. You're running hard in circles around a track. And there I stand, stopwatch in hand, monitoring the scene. Probably a tight tracksuit, a whistle, the faintest wisp of a moustache. I am in coach mode. Interval after interval, harder and harder, you go to the edge. It's time to recuperate before I bring the next punishment. I prescribe, okay gang, 800, two laps of the trap, smoking jackets. There it is, science in action, smoking jackets. So do you need a translation? All right, here we go. Let's picture the scene again. British country home, 
A cold winter night, a drizzle outside, but inside it's warm. The coziness of home. There is a gentleman there, dog at feet, fire on, pipe in hand, clad in a fine smoking jacket. Slippers are on, the brandy is half drunk. Ah, the feeling. Bottle it. Because that is the intensity. Ah, smoking jackets. You don't need a power meter for that. It defines the mind. Now, of course, at the very other end of the scale, bottoms open, full gas. But you get the idea. Welcome to Purple Patch. We don't always quite do it the same way as others might. And so that's why the word of the week this week is smoking jackets, the sciency prescription of very easy intensity. Sticking with the Englishness and a touch of bangers and mash, maybe a side of mushy peas, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, guys, the meat and potatoes, and this week we're going to be talking about chopping carrots, but all in the pursuit of talking about value and talent. And let me tell you something, talent, it doesn't always smell the same. We're going to go into application mode today. Because some months ago, we did a show talking about the characteristics of excellence. And you can go back and listen to that show. I think it's going to be interesting for you. We'll put it in the show notes. But now I want to get sniffing around the word that we hear a lot, talent. How do you make the most of your talent? How do you maximize the yield? And most importantly, how do you spot it? So we're going to go through three sections today. The first is I think we actually have to explore the concept of talent. Yes, we'll come back to those chopping carrots. The second part of it is with that talent, how can you as a coach or manager identify who are going to be the people that go on to be successful in sport or who, who are the employees that might end up being the most valuable to you. And for that, we're actually going to dive into a story from behind the scenes at Purple Patch drawing on how to identify those that create great intentional focus and those that are sure to go the extra mile in the pursuit of their greatness in whatever path they're on in life. And finally, we have to bring it into context. We have to finish talking about talent by enabling capacity and therefore in section three, We'll talk about intentional focus, tying it together into daily habits to ensure that you have the capacity to master what is needed so that you can truly move your performance needle. It all sounds very purple patchy, doesn't it? So let's begin with section one with a word, talent. Now, if we stop and we come up a level, let's think about the talented. I'm going to throw out a few names. LeBron James. Michael Phelps, Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, I allow you to take your pick there. There's no way I'm getting into that. Who's the best debate there? Although it's Messi, by the way. What about our sport of triathlon? Jan Frodeno, Daniela Reef. Let's go broader. Magnus Carlsen, the world chess champion and master. Lady Gaga. I know some of you guys 
just love her work. Mark Zuckerberg, Harvard whiz kid who created the Book of Faces. Talented, yes? Absolutely. And the truth is that most of who I mentioned above are born to excel in their endeavours. They have characteristics that are in the very thin edge of the wedge. But we also have to understand that anyone who is world-class in their endeavour, such as their sport, has to have a certain set of birth-given genetic qualities that enable them to thrive in their chosen art. But a word here. If we investigate our list, there is a promised guarantee across all of these characters. Every single one of them has achieved their place on their prospective thrones with a massive amount of hard work. And they've also got there by working on the right things with limited distractions on the things that actually don't matter or would distract them from that path. And so when we talk about talent, it's way too easy just to throw gifted into the mix. I hate that phrase, gifted. It reeks of storytelling in which the path to excellence is easy. They were born that way. It just comes easy. Let me tell you something. Excellence never comes easy. I'll say it again. Excellence never comes easy. At the pinnacle of anything, there is, there is a barrier to entry. There are a certain set of gifts, as you like to call it, to get the invitation. And yes, you have to be tough, but no, toughness is not a differentiator. But beyond these gifts, as we call them, talent doesn't always smell the same. The gifts don't predict greatness. It's just the invitation. It is the behaviours and actions that are ultimately the pieces of the puzzle that open the gates and pave the path towards greatness. Now, I understood at a very young age, despite lots of time looking in the mirror with a hairbrush, that I wasn't going to sing like Pavarotti. Although, I still think I might be able to dance like Mick Jagger. But underneath these talents, or gifts, as we might call them, well beyond that, the driver of the behaviours. And so why don't we explain this a little bit more? And why don't we actually use a case study? And we're going to use a very real case study. We're going to talk about a purple patch athlete. We're going to talk about a current purple patch athlete. And it's one of our professional athletes, Sarah Piampiano. So in our case study, when we think about talent and we identify with Sarah Piampiano, the irony is that I record this right in the midst of one of Sarah's finest seasons. And bear in mind, she's 39 years of age. She comes towards the end of her professional triathlon career. And yet this year, she's already won Ironman Brazil in a record-setting manner, including a 2.53 marathon off the bike. Think about that. 2.53. 
That's pretty fast. She's also won Ironman Ecuador, turning around, going from Ecuador back to San Francisco to Kazakhstan the very next weekend, outriding the field, coming to a very credible third in a world-class field. She is ultimately a multiple Ironman champion. Twice she's been seventh at the pinnacle of this sport, the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. She sits amongst any estimation in very thin air among the very best. And so was Sarah an athlete that we identified? We picked her out of a small triathlon squad and handpicked the athlete that was miles ahead of her peers and just nudged her across into world class. She's gifted, right? Mm, hardly. Remember, talent doesn't always smell the same. When Sarah came to Purple Patch as a 29-year-old Wall Street wanker banker, sorry, I'm English, I can't, resist but to use that name but as she came she was working for hsbc with a background in ski racing her diet poor her social life smoking cigarettes a lot of cigarettes nothing reeked of this gifted athlete but she found triathlon she embraced the sport and the lifestyle now you might think this is a simple story of some big engine hitting inside a dormant superstar but not quite because yes she does pass the entrance exam she does have some physical gifts oh there's that word again but when compared to her peers the others that sit in the world-class category she would not shine in fact she's pretty ordinary amongst that select group. When we sent her through physiological testing, when we assess her strength and explosive nature, when we look at her mobility around joints, meh, nothing shines. Sure, pretty good, but more the level of kind of a good age grouper. So on paper, there is nothing to suggest in her background or in her physiological assessments that there's a great in the making. And yet she made it. Remember? 253 off the bike, multiple Ironman wins, one of the best in Kona. You see, what Sarah had was follow through, attention to detail, resilience, and an emotional drive that is, from what I've seen, seldom matched. She had what it takes where it counts in the areas that would move her performance needle. You cannot create physical gifts for an athlete, but equally, you cannot coach will. There's that word, will. Remember that, coaches. It begins inside of your athletes. You cannot coach will. And Sarah has an awful lot of will. So over the last 10 years that we've been working with each other. She's done everything that has been needed to maximize her strengths, but also minimize her weaknesses. She's focused on the key aspects to drive success and has been un unyielding and consistent in doing so. It's an incredibly tough thing to do, but it's also the why behind her ascendancy. And also the why that very early on I wanted to coach her. This dumb coach was pretty quick to reject her from joining the squad. So she came to San Francisco and on meeting her and seeing some of her actions in person, her talent, or at least 
in my mind, what talent is. Sean. Personal greatness established, carrots chopped, the follow through. So yes, talent includes some gifts or a threshold of attributes, whether it's a singing voice or some physical traits or brain power for complex problems. But true talent is driven by a massive focus on the key drivers that are going to move the performance needle to success. Now that's all very well and we can hug and give each other a group hug and say, great, there is a certain amount of gifts that we need, but behind it all comes hard work. So drive forward, kings, let's go and conquer. But how do you actually, as a coach or a manager, identify talent? How do you spot those that are destined to shine, that are destined to create value, that are ultimately, as an athlete, destined to match trained potential with performance on race day. What we want to do is identify those who are going to deliver great value, or ultimately they're going to climb the performance ladder. So to do this, we have to explore outside of the greats. Because those who combine the will with the physical genetic baseline, we need to actually strike at the heart of everyday performance. And this is always one of the great challenges for me as a owner of Purple Patch and a leader at Purple Patch and also a coach. Because if I'm a coach or a manager, how can I rummage around and find those that are going to be set up to shine? No matter what school they attended or reference they have or physical beauty in their running styles, who is going to excel? Who is ultimately going to deliver value? Now, we could go into presentation format here and I could outline my thoughts, but instead, I'm going to tell you a story, a real story. In fact, what I'm going to do is peel back the curtains at Purple Patch. And what I'm going to do is talk about identifying people that deliver value. But the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to talk to you about a story of how we at Purple Patch actually build workouts for our athletes. Now, I gulp as I begin to let you inside because by the end of the story, you might actually see a little bit of a different side of me. You might see some idiosyncrasies of how I work. You're going to get a little glimpse of maybe my more obsessive side. Remember that I did drive myself into chronic fatigue due to that obsessive nature. And you might even see some inefficiencies in the way I work. I'm sure there are many of them. I don't necessarily work in the most effective way when it comes to building our workouts for athletes. But I do know this, this is our way. And our way does enable us to see who can shine and create value and does deliver what we believe it's really good workouts for our coaches to use and for our athletes to receive. And so here we go. Come on the journey because remember, this is in the vein of talent. So the workouts, ultimately at Purple Patch, our intellectual property. And what I want to do is I want to tell you how we create workouts for the athletes. And from this exercise, we can spot value or in my lens, talent. So first, we must come up a level. You see, we have a saying at Purple Patch, evolve or die. 
And what that means is that we are never static. We're always looking to grow and evolve. And so season on season, we are our own biggest judge and jury. And we place a tremendous amount of emphasis looking for refinements and looking to see how we could improve. In fact, if I go back to 2016, yes, that year that Tim Reed did win the world championship, we had multiple top tens at the Hawaii Ironman. We had four pro Ironman wins and a bucket of other podiums. By any measure, it was probably our most successful year so far. And yet that year, following that year, we made some of the most radical adjustments of our methodology. Out of our success arrived the need to evolve and grow not just rinse and repeat. And this is an example of the ongoing demand that we place on ourselves. And this means that every single year, I must go on a creative process. And I have my old curmudgeon ways of doing things that might not be the most efficient, but they work. And so how does it? Well, at the end of each year or just before we start the next year, and ironically because of the triathlon season, we tend to layer that around September or October, we do a deep dive, an objective two to three day review. We get all of my key coaches and team members in a room and we do the good, the bad and the ugly. What was good this season? What didn't work? What were some of the patterns that we saw, positive and negative? Where and what should we change? And we do that at the pros, at the serious amateurs, all the way down to the lifestyle enthusiasts. And then we get to the how. Let's map it, the phases of training that we're going to go through, the structures of the cycles and how we build the weeks, all the way down to the most granular level, the workouts. That's the theme of our story today. So from this exercise, we're now ready to build the framework And this is where it begins to get a little spicy because I then go on a hunt where I lock myself in a room and spend an inordinate amount of time building the sessions, phases of training at the top level, cycles of work, and then block by block, eight to 12 weeks at a time, building the sessions that create the centerpiece, the bank account of workouts to be drawn across our programming. And we have four main channels of delivering workouts. There are the workouts that I deliver in person in San Francisco to our live squad. And you can often follow along those on the Purple Patch social media. Head to Purple Patch Fitness on Instagram and you can see lots of videos of us coaching. But those workouts are obviously covering a broad net of people from our pros all the way down to people that are aspirational or have no intention of even competing. There are also the channel of the workouts that I'm utilizing to deliver to my professional squad and the individual athletes that I coach. Of course, those workouts are very, very personal. There are the workouts that are drawn for our one-to-one coaches, and they are delivering to their individual athletes. Again, very, very personal. And finally, there are my workouts that are delivered to the athletes on the Purple Patch squad. And that's very similar in tone and mindset to a session that I might be relaying to my San Francisco life squad. It is a one-to-many. And yet, we're under the challenge to try and make it personal. And so we're tasked with striking specificity for a broad range of athlete levels, how much time they have available to execute the session, and more. And of course, we aim for as personal as possible. 
This isn't me delivering to you. Yes, Johnny listening, you. But it is we delivering to, as they say in the South, y'all. We're delivering to y'all. And so are we really talking about value and talent here? Yes, stay with me. We're going to get there. So there you have it in my mind. Let's come back to the process. We've talked about the year. We've built the phases of training. And now there's me in a room building this master spreadsheet that's going to be the bank account that has to deliver the workouts across those four channels. And this is where you enter my mind. Because all of the workouts in that master spreadsheet are delivered by following under the Purple Patch methodology and the structure of the season of which we've identified. And as much as possible, we want as many of our athletes under all of those channels to be marching to a similar beat of the drum, in sync as you might call it, for as much of the season as possible. But of course, we all have different goals. But that's the hope, that's the aspiration. And the quality of the sessions, no matter whether it's the San Francisco squad, my professional athletes, one-to-one coached athlete or a squad athlete, must be unmistakably purple patch. And what does that mean? Well, what it means is that it's anchored in what purpose we see in a workout. So by unmistakably purple patch, we have to think about what a workout is. What does a workout hold in the meaning for any of those athletes under any of those channels? Now, many would say it's simply a prescription of a training session. Warm up for 10 minutes, do a little bit of a bit of a pre-main set, 10 by 400s hard on the track, bada bing. But for me, in my mad world that I live in and I invite many of you to come and join me in, I see a workout as so much more. Because a high value workout to me is actually first, rather than just a prescription, it is a tool of communication to enable the athlete to execute the plan as intended. And in order for that to happen, it means that the workout must be clearly formatted, it must be error-free, the math must make sense, and it must portray the meaning behind the workout so that the athlete can understand the why or the mission and is empowered to make smart decisions when they're doing it remotely. A second component of a workout is it must be a vehicle to actually deliver some confidence to the athlete that they're actually on the right path. And so that means for us that there's a certain level of professionalism in the workout and it is a repeatable format that sits and integrates into their life and makes sense to the athlete within context of all of their other stresses. Me delivering a one-to-one athlete a bike ride when they're traveling to New York and don't have a bike ride doesn't exactly deliver confidence. A third component of a high-value workout is that it includes management tools. So what should the athlete do if they are experiencing fatigue or time limitations? How do you take that prescription and adapt or manage it? And for me, that is instructional and empowering the athlete. As much as possible, I can make myself irrelevant and enable the athlete to actually be empowered to make decisions. And finally, I feel that there should be integrated into a workout some tips and technical reminders as they're going on the journey. The how, 
postural cues, terrain management. And ultimately, even with that, the style of it to make it unmistakably purple patch, an infusion of purple patchy sparkle into the prescription. There is a reason that one of our values is serious with a wink. We do like a bit of a laugh. And so you have this repeatable format that is familiar, that isn't confusing. The math works out, but behind it is the driving transfer of knowledge to enable you, the athlete, to understand the why, so that you then have tools to manage it. And as you're navigating through, you're being coached remotely. That, for me, is a package of a workout. And we must acknowledge that with that little bit of touch of humor and silly purple patch sayings, we just have a feeling that comes with the workout. And with all that now, we drive towards talent identification and value seeking. You see, all of the programs that we talk about, the San Francisco squad, my pro team and individual athletes, individually coached athletes, the squad athletes, they arrive from that master pool. I build the central bank account. Now, this is how I mentioned above. I'm a little crazy. And I sit for extended sessions with this dirty spreadsheet. And I produce a block of workouts. And it syncs seamlessly with the season approach and the rhythm of training. But, admittedly, it is full, and I mean full, of abbreviations Poor mathematics. Yes, I'm known for very poor, simple arithmetic when I'm building workouts. Lots of shortcuts and lots of scalings. But what it is, is a living, breathing, big body of juicy workout goodness. What it isn't is ready for game time. I couldn't give my athletes the workouts that I've created without driving them crazy, let alone putting the sessions in the hands of my coaches or the squad athletes. We need them as an organization, as a coaching team, to take them from conception to game ready. Can you sense where I'm going with this? This is the mission for our coaching team. How do they transform the juicy body of workout excellence with all of its poor mathematics, abbreviations and typos into excellent, highly professional, athlete-ready sessions? Because from there, I can take the workouts that are game ready and I can align them to my athletes, refine them, and maybe add some of my own additional workouts that are suitable for the individual. I tailor them to my pros. And our one-to-one coaches can do the same. They can align and refine and apply individually and then add maybe some supporting workouts that they see that their athletes need. And the squad athletes ultimately receive unmistakably purple patch athlete. And what we've managed to create through this convoluted process is a common language and programs that are absolutely custom and unique, but unmistakably purple patch. And so therefore we can, as an organization, as a team together in supporting one another, have confidence in the quality. And I can dive into one of my, my coaches' programs and understand what they're prescribing because we line in lockstep together. We've created a common language and methodology, but the transformation still needs to happen. Those juicy, error-laden goodness into shining showroom-ready greatness. 
there are two paths that a brand new and learning purple patch coach can take when they're tasked with this transformation. They can be transactional or they can build with empathy and excellence. Remember, how you chop carrots is how you live. So let me expand. Let's talk about transactional. You look at the spreadsheet, you look at the workout, you build it in the library. Copy and paste, clean up the edits, check the math. The prescription is there. The session is ready, isn't it? Technically, the job is done. How you chop carrots is how you live your life. They have, quote, done their job. But what about the next level? What about the coach that goes beyond? Their process is different, markedly different. After all, how you chop carrots is how you live your life. The process that the talented, in my lens talented, coach would take would be something like this. First, they would read the workout. They don't copy and paste, they read it with the sole purpose of understanding the mission. They need to know the why. What's the purpose? What are the appropriate technical cues? What would the experience be like as an athlete? With that context then, they create the workout. Yes, error-free, repeatable format, correct mathematics. Then, in step three, they put their athlete hat on. And they ask a simple question. If I read this workout right now, would I know how to execute this session as intended? If it was the very first time. And from there, they can answer that by adding supporting cues and guidelines. And then they think about coaching the athlete in person. If I was there with the athlete, what might I remind the athlete and when? to help them nail it and ensure that they're focusing on the right thing. And they add the cues and alignment with that. Empathy and excellence. And with that polished article, their final aim, the toughest thing to do, is to infuse the sparkle of fun. Or, as they might say in England, a little bit of purple patch razzle-dazzle. You see, that is quality. And that is value. That's above and beyond. They executed the next level of attention to detail in this relatively transactional and some could argue mundane task. But what does this display? What does this tell me who's monitoring and overseeing? See, the transactional coach gets things done. Copy and paste, check the math clean up the data. It works. But the passionate and empathetic one sees the bigger picture. And what they're doing, even though they're probably not thinking about it, is they are displaying for all to see the core characteristics that are going to make them high value in any endeavor that they do under Purple Patch. Because they're displaying wonderful attention to detail, 
perspective of the importance of the role and the impact that it has, even though it's seemingly mundane, I'm building a workout. It's going to touch and maximize efficiency for our coaches, for our athletes. It's going to spread and infuse excellence across the whole program. They're also displaying that they have empathy for the athlete. It might feel transactional, but they're actually putting themselves in the place of the athlete or for us, the customer, people that we want to help thrive and shine and achieve their goals. They're showing us that they have a passion for learning. They're getting something out of this process, well beyond copy and pasting, because they're seeking to understand the methodology and gain knowledge. And they ultimately come out of this process knowing the sessions and methodology by heart. It's a wonderful school of education. And therefore, that they are empowered. And of course, they're working with great autonomy. Everybody needs people with great autonomy on their, on their team. And the final component is they are team focused. Because the quality of work that they produce minimizes the impact and further quality insurance that the rest of the team has to do. We move as a team. We win as a team. We support each other as a team. I could go on, but you get the point. The key in this is that even simple tasks, that if we take the transactional lens, copy and paste, check the math, if you execute them in a particular way, they become surefire signals of your athlete or employee generating value. They are the people that are going to shine. They're the people that are going to flourish. So let's come back to sport, because at the start of the show, I promised the bedrooms of pros and licking bike grease. And so I want you to picture the scene. Scottsdale, Arizona, end of January. We're getting ready to launch the year. It is the Purple Patch Pro Camp. We have returning professional athletes. We have newcomers to the team. High-performing amateurs that have been welcomed to join as they're very keen in the future to join the pro ranks. 10 to 15 athletes for an immersive 10-day to two-week experience with myself and the assistant coaches. And over the course of those two weeks of training camps, we train them and we train them hard. We watch them move, we watch them train, we see how they handle fatigue, we aim for a little touch of failure, how are they going to respond? But we also lick bike grease and we check out their bedrooms. Just a little peek while everyone's around, nothing untoward of course, but we just want to look in their living quarters. Now I joke a little bit but you get the point. Having a little wander around and looking at the living room and how their bikes are and what chain grease they have on there or do not have on there, whether their gears work, are there nicks in the tyre, are they organised? Yes, you won't be surprised to know that Kevin Collington irons his socks. Are they organised? How tidy is the equipment? How clean is the chain? Do they have attention to detail? Are they prepared? Are they thinking steps ahead? Are they able to achieve perspective? All of these bleed into how they approach their sport. Now, the champions of the future aren't those that are just physically gifted. They're also not those who just happen to have a tidy bedroom. 
But they are those people who deliver great value more than who simply just went to a great school. The highest performers in all endeavours display the characteristics that you require in order to drive the performance needle. But we need to wrap this up. Remember we talked about section three, intentional focus. You see, you begin to have a sniff of what talent is and we gain an understanding of what that looks like in action, the people that actually create magic in sport or life. But when we say this, I do think that some perspective is really important because we have to apply without missing a critical factor in this, intentional focus, intentional focus. Because it would be a disaster for you or anyone that you lead if you just randomly demand excellence in every piece of the puzzle of life. And ultimately, if you're over capacity and you're juggling too much, you're simply going to overfill the bucket of willpower. The bucket of willpower, yes. Remember I mentioned that you cannot coach will? It's true. But in addition, all of us, any of us, all of us, only have so much will. We all have a certain capacity on caring. And so it's not enough just to simply expect excellence, follow through compassion in every single minuscule fabric of the path. It simply isn't practical. And so I can look into bedrooms and I can lick chain grease. I can expect perfection in workouts. I can marvel at Sarah Piampiano's approach to a sport. But it only comes with intentional focus. And that is facilitated with a little capacity. And this is why there's a background to a core value of our pro squad, our athletes and the entire Purple Patch team. There's a saying that we live by nail the basics because for excellence we must carve through the blizzard of bullshit and master the key components of sport or the role that's going to yield the greatest impact to give you an example for our professional athletes with every new voodoo diet training methodology piece of equipment or lotion that you can supposedly put on your legs to make you faster it comes down to this they have seven repeatable habits seven things master them intentional focus aspects like going easy enough in the easy days ensuring that after every workout you're fueling there you go there's two of the habits right there for you free but you must nail them you must master and in an athletic sense if you nail these if you become a master you're probably going to be 95% of the way to excellence. And it is only after them, for our professional athletes, that they are allowed to focus on that final 5%, or what you might call the incremental gains, not my favorite saying. And so, yes, how you chop carrots is how you live life, but just ensure that you focus on chopping the important carrots become a master and follow through, that is critical. But we do have to acknowledge when we promote this that you or anyone you lead must have capacity to excel 
and to master. And you must focus on the critical stuff because that is what is going to create a blossoming of the Purple Patch journey. And that is how the traits of talent get to actually take hold. Mastering the key pieces, nailing the basics, allowing energy to go to the things that move the needle. And if athletes or workers are scattered or confused, it is impossible to focus. And therefore, the chopping quality, by definition, will go down. And so your excellence or those that you are tasked with making or guiding the path to excellence isn't some magic spell. And you don't have to go on some hunt for gold at the end of the rainbow. Talent doesn't smell the same. You do know Sarah Piompiano's nickname, don't you? It isn't some majestic gift. Typically, it's right there in front of you, and it's there for your own taking. All you need is the mission, the passion, the performance environment that includes capacity to allow you to follow through and enable it to flourish. And that is how excellence happens. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers. Cheers.